So one, I, I had a realization uh, a year or so ago, right? Um, because I was discussing with someone culture and morality. And the realization I came to was that which becomes culturally accepted inevitably becomes morally justified. In society. In society. Okay. And... That was pertaining to um, the entire movement in the United States and the Supreme Court to um, grant full privilege um, to those of uh, differing sexual orientations. Mm. And I think that it... uh, it creates a microcosm in which you can discuss a multitude of cultural facets. Um, and what I want to talk about is this current culture um, and this current generation, both millennials and what they call quote-unquote Gen Zers, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and what is culturally acceptable pertaining to human interaction um, human sexuality uh, and relationships hmm. honestly ultimately ultimately and so what we see going on um, is that what a relationship was compared to what it's become has completely diverged from itself right what was a relationship beforehand? Well, relationships before were built upon um, equity. So it was based upon knowing the individual. It was based upon understanding the individual. It was based upon the willingness to grow with that individual. Hmm. And now it's just based upon a singular and primary motive, which is sexuality. Okay. Uh, is that to say, like, how how far back are we talking about for relationships? I mean, like I would go hundreds of years. No, I would go back nineteen thirties, forties. Yeah, I would probably say around the fifties. Okay. I mean, because you had the huge, like, historically, you had the sexual revolu- uh, revolution of the sixties and seventies, mm-hmm. where it was the free love movement. Um, so just before that, yeah, even even just before, and a lot of people. Well, hem and haw and be like, Tim, you're just being old-fashioned. Um, and maybe I am. I'd think some people would argue that beforehand, before the sexual re- revolution of the 60s and 70s, uh, relationships were built on societal roles each partner had. Like... Yes, yes and no. Um... I, I use a metaphor to explain relationships and the role of human sexuality in them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the metaphor is a cake. Okay. Right? So the relational aspect, the, the a devoid of sexual intimacy, is a cake, right? And uh, the thing, everybody likes cake, right? Right. And there are people who are like, no, I don't like cakes. I like cupcakes. Well, homie, it's a mini cake. Like, it's just a cake in a cup. <laughs> <laughs> or if you don't like cakes, you like pies. Uh, I, yeah, you, I mean, it, it translates whatever, yeah. whatever way. Right? You can have pie without whipped cream. Yeah. Um, and it's just as delicious. The pie, the, the whipped cream, the icing, whatever, just makes it a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, but this current generation, like this... And, and it's really from with the advent of social media and dating websites and Tinder and anonymity... Mm-hmm. And things like that, um, that we think that relational intelligence is based upon how sexually active someone may or may not be, um, maybe, as opposed to a lack of relational intelligence due to a lack of sexual activity. Okay. 
So how do you how do you build a relationship like that? Time. Or time and I'm exactly. guessing investment. Investment. It like a cake has all these ingredients that make a cake. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to use a particular type of flour. You have to use sugar. You have to use eggs, oil. Different cakes call for different different ingredients. Where frosting is basically frosting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can buy it in a jar. <laughs> like you don't really have to make it. You can get it anywhere. Really. You can get it anywhere. But you you can't you can't just I mean you can now in a supermarket, but uh in a, in, a, in the context of the metaphor, you just can't go anywhere and get cake. Like something you have to make it. It takes time. Mm-hmm. Like making frosting can take thirty seconds. Or it takes time to make a cake. Mm. Where it takes time to build a relationship. And uh, and the thing is is that what what what's mind boggling to me is we have an entire culture that is seemingly hell bent on only eating frosting. Right? Like straight from the straight jar. from the jar. They all they want is to express themselves in the physical aspect of sexuality, right? Mm-hmm. Because they feel that that's how they can best express themselves. But all of them long for the cake. Right, deep down. Deep down. They know that's what they want. I mean, look at Facebook. Look at all these relationship quotes and all this other crap you see all over Get Facebook. Get you a man who goes after you or whatever. Exactly, Get you a right? Woman who does Who this. appreciates you, who honors you, mm-hmm. who respects you, who treats you with dignity. Right. These are things... Yet, we are hell-bent on acting in undignified ways. (laughs) It's like, I really want that, but this is easier to get, so I'm just going to run with this. Mm. Right? Right. The other thing it has to do with with immediate satisfaction, right? So, and and momentary satisfaction is something that's long, uh, like a long suffering, um, where where it's patience gets you the prize. Right. Right? And so, it, it, and trust me, dude, I, it, it's weird talking about it because I've never actually, and it's sad to say, I've never actually had a meaningful relationship like that in that context, hmm. right? Like with anyone? <coughs> no. Hmm. I mean, there are, there are, there are friendships. I, I have a best friend of 20 plus years. Um... Where our entire friendship is cake. There is no frosting. Right. And it's fantastic. It's, 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 it's a wonderful thing. Because here's the secret. You can experience intimacy without expressing sexuality. Hmm. And I think that's the linchpin. Is that this culture craves intimacy. And the only way they know how to get any type of semblance of it, resemblance of it, is through the physical act of, of, of sexual expression. And the thing is, it's like... Uh, no, what's that? Too much yeast ruins... The, whatever euphemism you want to use. Right. You know? Whatever... What, too much whatever ruins... Too much of whatever, whatever ruins whatever you're looking for. Right? Right? And I can tell you countless people um, who who crave that that intimacy, right? Mm -hmm. But only seek it out in that one way, and they they're they're miserable. Well, that's probably because they grew up in the culture uh, of today, where that's all we know of intimacy. So, if you can be intimate. Outside of the physical, outside of the sexual, then uh, since since I've grown up in this culture, uh, I'm I'm kind of in that mindset where intimacy I relate more to physical and sexual. Yeah. Then what is intimacy? Intimacy is transparency. Transparency. Yes. That's true. Intimacy is transparency. Is being able to look at someone and know everything about them. Hmm. Nothing's hidden. Nothing scares you. 
you know, because they are so open and honest with you, there's no, there's no shadows in the room. It's like being in a, in a round globe white room with a floating light source in the middle Mm -hmm. and all around you. There are no shadows. Right. Everything is perfectly clear. That's what real intimacy is. Hmm. And we substitute it for momentary, for something that's momentary, something that's that's fading and fleeting. Right. Right? Because we think that that's, because that's what we've been communicating intimacy is. Right? We've perverted the very aspect of what true intimacy looks like and said intimacy is only relegated to sex and human sexuality. Mm-hmm. Right? Not relegated to something beyond that. Because intimacy does share aspects of, with aspects with human sexuality, most most definitely. Well, uh, sex and human sexuality are intimate in nature, because in order for two people to go about those, they have to literally be bare to each other, to be naked in front of each other. Yeah, but you can turn the lights on, homie, so you don't see anything. Uh, like that's the that's the thing is is that. <laughs> I, I hate to share it, but uh, uh, someone told me a story um, about uh, they went to work out of state and they went on a date, invited them back to their their uh, their hotel room, did that thing, mm-hmm. you know, had 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 sexual relations, um, and then while they were in the bed, um, the gentleman rolled over, pulled out a video gaming system, and was like, "Do you want to play video games?" And she said, nope, you gotta leave, right? Because in and of that self, that's something so simple as playing video games. And this is how I view it, right? Is you just committed an act of intimacy, right? Mm-hmm. And he wanted to further it in some way, and it scared the living daylights out of you. So you're like, nope, bye. Right? Because it's not the intimacy that we've convinced ourselves that we want. Even though it's what we tell everybody, the intimacy that we want. Hmm. Right? Our pursuits do not match our desires. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. And it's, and it's, that's, that's the biggest thing is like, When we realize that human sexuality, that the act of physical intimacy is meant as something that adds to, as rather than something that defines, mm-hmm. it changes how we pursue relationship within, with other people. Right. Right? Because it doesn't become the goal anymore. It's no longer the goal. The goal, like I said, so let's re- let's go back to episode one, right? Mm-hmm. What is the purpose of a conversation? To find commonality. No, not necessarily that. The purpose of a good conversation isn't to know the viewpoint, but to know the mind of the person who holds the viewpoint. Right. That also translates to a relationship. What's the purpose of a relationship? Not necessarily to know someone physically but to know the mind of the person you're entering a relationship with. Right. Right? Because conversations are relational. Everything boils down to relationship. Building a good relationship starts first with the mind, then the heart, Mm -hmm. then finally the body, if that's where it leads to. But you can have deep, meaningful, intimate relationships with people and never once cross that physical boundary Hmm. and your life is so much more fulfilling that way there are studies about that as well uh, scientifically well survey driven but uh, for the most part that's true absolutely Mm -hmm. so how do we pursue that in a culture with everybody with that goal 
um, with everybody else having that goal of the frosting, how do we, as people who, as cake lovers, right, find other cake lovers? Uh, that's a hard question because it's a hard, <laughs> it's like a Where's Waldo book oh, at, at times. Yeah. That's what it feels like, or it's like finding the proverbial needle in the haystack. I think it's, it's not necessarily about finding other people like that, right? Because you're going to run into them. Okay. The mathematical probability of it is you will run into people who are like that, right? Mm-hmm. I think what's important is to be uncompromising in that pursuit. So not willing to give anything? Not willing to give up on the very thing that you know you really want. Mm. Right? And that translates into so many other things, but we're talking about relationships right now. If you know exactly what you really want from a prospective partner, from a prospective friend, from a prospective confidant, anything, right? And you are you are uncompromising in those things, right? You will find people who are, have the same level of not unwillingness to compromise, hmm. right? Or you're going to meet someone who really desires, like they really have this deep desire to have what you're longing for, mm-hmm. right? And so they will they will work and grow into that. And then once they see the value of it, they no longer are willing to compromise. Right. Right? The way we see culture right now is this huge willingness to compromise. Right? right. Because social like to the internet age has made it so easy. Like so easy. Silly easy. Mm-hmm. Um to do that. You can open up an app and Two button clicks and done. You can open up an app and swipe left or right and find someone for tonight. Mm-hmm. Did not mean to uh, to rhyme on that one, but that it's true. Like you can open up an app, swipe left or right, and find someone that will satisfy your physical desires for tonight. Right. It's that easy. It's that easy, right? But there are also people who have built long-lasting, meaningful relationships off of things like that, mm-hmm. right? If you're intentional about what you're looking for and 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 your pur- and the purpose of seeking relationship with people, right? Mm-hmm. When you and and you, it'll weed people out. It literally will. It'd be like pulling weeds from the garden, right? You could be on Tinder or Bumble, right? And both of them are not the most fantastic of apps, but whatever. People use them. Mm-hmm. You could be on Tinder or Bumble, make a match. Someone goes, hey, you're cute. And you're like, well, I find you, you know, aesthetically pleasing as well. I don't think anyone would actually say that. I would actually say that. That's, you know, probably why those apps have never actually worked for someone like me. <laughs> because, you know, all of a sudden, they're like, hey, you're cute. And then you use words they don't understand. And just, you know, I'm not talking... Or they immediately think you're pretentious. And right, absolutely. Second, the latter is more likely. The latter is more likely. <laughs> um, but, I, you know, I find your, your, your physical image to be, you know, attractive as well. You know, it's, it's pleasing to the eye. And you get into to a conversation and you're like, well, before this goes any farther, just for honesty and transparency, this is what I'm looking for. End goal. End goal. I'm looking to make the best freaking cake in the world. Mm-hmm. And, God willing, put frosting on it. But only after the cake is finished and we both agreed that no one else can have the cake but each other. Right? Right? Right. I hate to use that metaphor because it, keep, <laughs> it becomes, you know, cyclical. It just keeps coming out. But it, it works. Yeah. Right? When a metaphor works, just use it. Yeah, when a metaphor works, just use it. But what what you see happen is, you know, people be like, "Oh, that's what I want too," but I don't want that right now. 
Mm. So they compromise on their on the, their uncompromisable desires. Yep. And then you get into a situation, and it, and it only compounds upon itself. Mm-hmm. Once you begin to compromise, it's it's an unyielding s- slope into further and further compromise. Right. And then you lose. You could enter a relationship with someone mm-hmm. with full intentions of doing it right. And the minute you begin to compromise in the smallest degree, you enter into the slope Hmm. Is there any coming back from that? There can be. Um, but it's really hard to fix a foundation when you try to build a house on it when it hasn't set yet. Hmm. It can be done. But it is that much more difficult. Right. Because once you go there, it's hard to turn away from it. Right. And that goes with any type of human like expression of physical sexuality whether it's uh, pornography and masturbation or it's the actual physical act of sex once you go there it's really hard to turn away from it mm-hmm. because there's a part of you that really does want that yeah absolutely we're driven to that yeah as it's living it's beings. a biological process yes absolutely procreation is a biological process right absolutely and a lot of it is battling it Right? Battling mm-hmm. that biological process. And going, I'm going to put an ethical code. I'm going to put a, a, a rules and qualifiers to that, to that process. You're going to control your own nature. Exactly. How does someone who's for the most part, given into their nature, who's only ever had frosting, to continue the metaphor, how does someone like that finally get their own cake? Like people who have type 2 diabetes, diet and exercise. It's a lot to do with discipline. Mm. Right? And it's always, always going to be to do with discipline. Physical discipline, mental discipline. It's always going to be discipline. Right? It's always going to be putting into practice and continuously following that practice. Right? Mm-hmm. Because if you don't, you're just going to continue a destructive pattern of behavior. And that's the thing we need to realize is that pattern of behavior is destructive. Because there's so much more going on in that physical act than just the physical act. There is metaphysical things going on that go way beyond, you know, just having sex. Right. Because at the very least, emotional connection. There's, yeah, and that's part of metaphysical because it's intangible. But there's a spiritual and an emotional connection that happens in that aspect, in that, that's the intimate part of it, right? The physical act of it isn't necessarily intimate as it is physically intimate, but there's a there's an emotional and... And spiritual energy that that is that is transactional in that act. Mm-hmm. And if all you're doing is just treating that as a free for all throwaway, not only are you harming yourself in a physical sense, right? Mm-hmm. But you're harming yourself in an emotional mental and spiritual sense because think of it this way think of it I hate it and I don't mean to sound so chauvinistic or misogynistic because men or women doesn't matter but it, it's it's compounded with with women it really is um, women who begin the pattern of behavior only to exacerbate that pattern of behavior to the point where they think that they are obligated in the continuation of that pattern of behavior. Hmm. Well, this guy bought me some drinks. This guy bought me dinner. This guy was really nice to me and told me I had pretty... Like, it's stupidity. Whereas for guys, it's just completely off the other deep end. But 
now we're talking about an emotional, psychological condition that's compounded through the abuse of just one aspect of intimacy. Because it has to exist in the whole sphere of what true intimacy is. Mm. If you're only using a fraction of it, it can be bad. Right. very hard to build a cake with just frosting yeah that's called disgusting <laughs> it's like i'm gonna have just this little thin sliver of cake at the bottom i'm gonna have four and a half inches of frosting that does not sound appealing to me whatsoever mm. it sounds disgusting no matter how much i like frog and my favorite frosting is like german chocolate frosting like proper Frosting, like a S list, yeah. Frosting, S-tier. like true coconut pecan caramel frosting, like German chocolate cake frosting. That's my favorite. Like also, I could straight eat that out the jar, man. <laughs> no qualms about it. Or a really good like buttercream frosting. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But those the, like German chocolate frosting is my favorite frosting. But I would not eat. An entire slice of cake with four inches of frosting and a quarter inch of cake. That's not appealing. Or just eat a slice of four inch slice of frosting. Like that's that's not appealing either. And when I think about it, eating frosting out the jar really isn't that appealing either. Yeah. I do it with peanut butter though, because I love peanut butter. <laughs> But you you say that because you want the cake. Absolutely. You desire for it. You strive for it. That is, your, and, it, and it's you uncompromising. You are uncompromising in it. Uncompromising. But the thing is, is, I see when I look at my best friend, and I see how beautiful our relationship is. Now she's this is a woman, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we've been best friends for over twenty years. And I see how wonderful that relationship is. And it shows me how wonderful relationships can be. And it doesn't need to be there. It doesn't need to be like that. Right. Right? I go, if I can have another relationship with like that and have the frosting... Well, I would never, I don't ever look at my best friend like that. I just want you, like we grew up together. <laughs> She's been my sister for ever, forever, ever. She's family, right? Mm-hmm. Like I go to her family's house for, for Christmas. We all go hang out for New Year's. Like every once in a while we'll do birthdays and da da da. Like this, it's family, family. Her family invites me over and stuff like that. Like I am family. Her daughter calls me Uncle Tim. That's how it is. Right. But that showed me how valuable true relationship is. Hmm. And it cheapened just having frosting. Now, it might have ruined the potential for some somewhat beneficial relationships in my 35 years of existence. Um... But to me, it's not worth it. Hmm. It's not worth cheapening what I know I not only want, but what I deserve. And that's important. What you deserve. Exactly. And what do you deserve? I deserve to have the cake. And why is that? Because what I have to offer... Is beneficial for a relationship. How do you know what you have to offer is beneficial? Because my friends that I have around me, where all our relationship is just cake, Mm -hmm. show me that I have things of value to offer. That it doesn't just have to be based on on the physical aspect of, of, of a relationship. you yourself weren't able to 
figure out what you have is of value? It's hard. Especially when you struggle with thoughts of whether or not you're good enough. Mm. Um, Whether or not you're worth anything. We probably all struggle with that. I think we all do. But it's surprising when you tell someone else, you know, I have the same thoughts as you. You know, we were just talking the other day. Yeah, absolutely. Outside of the podcast, you were like, wait, you think the same way? And it really caught you off guard, didn't it? Absolutely. Because you were sharing with me, you're like, you know, how do I know I'm, I I have anything of value to offer? Mm-hmm. And I had to tell, like, you do. And dude, I feel the same way. And you were like, what? <laughs> you know? Because we can't. We can't value our ourselves from an outside perspective. It's very, very hard. It's for very us hard. To do that. And beauty is in the eye of the beholder, mm-hmm. right? As the old ad, adage goes, as the goes. adage goes, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So other people will see the things of value in you and call them out of you. Like that's that affirmational aspect of relationship. Mm. You know. Like, if you look at couples who work really, really well together and have been together in an extended period of time, how long have your parents been together? Uh, I believe this year... Since the flood. (laughs) (laughs) They're old. They're not that old. Uh, I think this year is 33 or 34 years. So they've been together as long as I've been alive. Yeah. All right? Quite a long time. And I guarantee you, you've probably heard conversations that are like, you know, honey, I'm, I'm proud. Uh, this is something I love about you. Mm-hmm. And that's an affirmation of an aspect of either your father or your mother's personality. Yeah. I've had conversations with my parents, uh, one-on-ones, not with both mm-hmm. of them in the room, where we, we talk about the other and uh, they say, oh, they, they think this of themselves in, in a bad light uh, but they're actually very good in, in, in that in this in that regard. regard yeah right because we always see ourselves less than who we truly are mm. right we undervalue ourselves we, we wholesale undervalue ourselves and why is that do you think I think it has a lot to do with culture mm. I mean that's When you when you look, and again, it boils down to are you good or not. Right. Right? <laughs> Everything references back to another episode. It's all tangled together. It's all tangled together. And that's, that's the beauty of this. Mm-hmm. It's like everything is interconnected. Mm-hmm. Like that's, side note, this is where uh, the study of intersectionality should be going. Right? Right. Intersectionality in the proper definition. Right. The intersecting of ideas, even though... Of concepts that seem parallel. Exactly. Right? Or not even... inter Like, they're not even linked. Right. Right? But somewhere they intersect with something that connects it. Mm-hmm. Right? Everything's interconnected. <laughs> that's, that's what the study of intersectionality should be. Right. I mean, that's basically how syst- uh, systematic thought is taught, is learning how to follow the pattern. Mm-hmm. And then taking that pattern and putting it in a linear progression. So mm. even though it might go like this. Like a star. Or, is, or whatever. Like squiggle lines all over the place. Is taking those points and shifting it so that it becomes a linear progression of logic. Mm. So, so that this is how, how you get to here, to here, to here. Rather than going, well we're going to follow this. And look, it connects with this. And then look, it connects with this. You know what I mean? Right. So, yeah, small side note. That's what intersectionality should look like. Mm-hmm. Um, and discussing how, how different aspects of the human existence intersect and, and correlate with each other and how it all works together in this huge, beautiful expression of life. You know? To bring it back to relationships... So the only way we know 
what we have is valuable is through others. Not necessarily. For the most part. But the thing is, is like, if you think too highly of yourself, it's considered hubris and pride. Mm -hmm. Right? If you think you're the best at something, chances are you're not. But that thinking of, you know... I'm a king, and I only deserve a queen. Hmm. Well, you might not necessarily be a king. Might be a court jester. You might be the court jester, <laughs> or you could be a stable boy. And it's and it's being okay with who it's it's learning to be comfortable with who you are and understanding who you are, hmm. and allowing other people to point out and encourage the things about you that are beneficial and have value, and also being willing to listen to the people. When they say that there are things that aren't beneficial so that you might correct them. Right. So you're both improving as you're building your cake. <laughs> exactly. Right? You're always trying to make the recipe better. Mm-hmm. In my mind, I would want to be the best I could possibly be before... Entering the relationship. And I think a lot of people think that way. Yeah, but it doesn't work that way. (laughs) It never will work that way. Because you'll never be ready. You'll never, ever, ever be ready. That's that's the killer. That's reassuring. Well, no. There's... In, in, In true relationship, there has to be a willingness to discover together. Mm. there has to be a mutual understanding that while I might not have everything figured out now, I want to figure it out with you. Mm. Right? And that's the, that's, the, that's the beginning of being transparent is that you're willing to admit that you don't know. That's, that, it's, it's a humbling experience. It's, the, it's a base point in humility. Uh, but... And and it works just and it works outside of male female, um, or however you express yourself, um, relationally. It works in all relationships, right? Friendships, um, is that, and even good conversation, is that transparency of saying, I might not be a hundred percent on this. But let's figure it out together. Right. Let's go through it. Understanding the mind. Because <laughs> the mind's a confusing place. It is. For everyone. No one completely understands themselves. No one completely understands someone else. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a constant journey of discovery. Right? But the problem is, is that we... Like I said, the problem is is that we want frosting without the cake. Even though we desperately tell everyone we want cake. Mm. There's a fear of being... We desperately want to be known, but we're afraid of being known. We're afraid of the intimacy, but we want it. Well, it's, it's not that so much we're afraid of the intimacy. We're afraid that you might see something in me. Mm-hmm. That scares you or disgusts you. And that you'll run away. Mm. We all have that fear. Right? To... And what I, when I tell people when I'm, when I'm counseling them, when I'm discipling them, um, when I'm getting to know them, is straight up, from the jump, I go, listen, I have done a lot of terrible things in my life. None of your ugly is going to scare me. Mm. And it's a moment of reassurance because it's true. Like your ugly is not going to scare me. You're like you're not going to catch me off guard and me go, "Ugh, I can't handle. That. I'm not unwilling to handle that." Right? Because I'm honest with myself. I want this is something I I, I want, so I have to be willing to accept someone, even if you know there's too much flour in their cake mixture at the at, at first, you know, or they put too much salt in and it tastes like crap. Right. these are things that can be fixed and worked out Mm -hmm. but you should never stop you or inhibit you from pursuing relationship with people 
Now, there are aspects about that. There are, because of my past, like, I still struggle, and this is, again, full honesty with, uh, with people who have had, people who have had, um, crimes with children. Hmm. I have a I have a hard time moving past that a little bit, and that's me being honest and transparent, um, because there's something about it that I find so abhorrent, reprehensible that, that I find so reprehensible that I find so capricious that I have a hard time moving past that. Right mm-hmm. now, it's not that I'm afraid of that ugliness of who they are; it's that I want nothing to do with people who have that ugliness you know what I mean it doesn't scare me because if anything it angers me (laughs) and that's something between me and God that we gotta work out together Mm -hmm. you know because you know the gifts and calling are without repentance and if he's calling me to be a preacher like I'm gonna run into stuff like that and my response cannot be anger and violence Hmm. no matter how much I want it to be no matter how righteous that anger might be yeah. Which is, again, that's that's a struggle. Now, does it mean that I, I am making an excuse for those actions? Or if, if God may bring me speak to a place that I can finally walk through something like that and be uh, more compassionate rather than um, acting with disgust? Mm. Does it mean that I'm... It's like we were talking about in the first episode. I can. That's where I can't find commonality. Hmm. I cannot understand the reason why. You can't. I can't fathom it. Like you've tried every angle that you can. I don't even want to try every angle. Hmm. That's a cake I don't want to have. And my fear... I wouldn't even say so much of a fear. Because it's not... If... So I... <laughs> I'm preaching to myself right now. So just, just listen for a second. So the parable of the rich young ruler, the lesson of it, isn't if... God asks you to give up everything to follow him. It's when. Mm. Right? (sighs) And it's not if God asks me to formulate a relationship with someone who's done something like that. It's when. Mm. And I have to be willing and I have to be obedient and I have to be Abraham with Isaac in that moment. Hmm. Willing to give it up. Willing to put everything on the altar for it. Hmm. And that scares me. Yeah. Because it's another level. Because even even knowing that I want full intimacy, that's another level of intimacy that scares me. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a whole new recipe for a whole new cake. And it terrifies me because I don't know the ingredients. I don't have access to the ingredients yet. Hmm. Right? Right. I think one of my fears, and you touched on on this a little while ago, uh, one of my fears is that in the intimacy like the cake and the foundation are just being laid out like it's a Mm -hmm. it's freshly made and whatnot take that first bite it's off and it sucks it's all because of me and holy me no not necessarily and that is well that's my fear that's your fear right so part of gathering the ingredients mm-hmm. is to make sure that you have the right ones in the right measurements, mm-hmm. right? And that takes time. 
right? You're not going to use bread flour to make a cake. You're going to use cake flour, right? right? So when, when, when formulating that relationship and you're building that relationship, you're building relational equity, right? Right. You have to make sure that the ingredients are the right ingredients, mm. right? So the fear is we're just going to grab any old ingredients we got. We're going to put it together. We're going to mix it together. We're going to bake it. It's going to taste like crap. Well, yeah, because you didn't take the time to make sure that the ingredients were right, that you followed the recipe correctly, right? And it's both of you, right? Because you're both making the cake together. Mm-hmm. Well, when going into a relationship, you want to be good at making the relationship beforehand going in. No, that's not how it works. <laughs> How do you become good at something if you've never done it before? Touche. <laughs> like, I'm a really good shot. Right. That took a lot, a lot of practice to become a really good shot. Mm-hmm. And it's through that effort, through that practice, through that discipline that you were able to get as good But as I had are. to spend time with the firearm. I had to learn how it operated. I had to make sure I had the proper ammo. I had to make sure the gun was clean. I had to make sure my sights were lined up. And it took time to learn how to do those things. Mm. Before I could actually shoot accurately. Right? Because you can't just pick up any old gun that hasn't been cleaned for the last, you know, 10 years and expect it to shoot straight. Right. (laughs) It takes time. You, You can't just enter into a relationship and expect it to be perfect. Because it's not. It takes time and effort. Right? And it takes practice. Like entering into a relationship with... Like, like that's why I have all the friends that I have. Where the cake is... We've taken time to make the cake at what it is today. Like I was... I'm, I'm not the friend that I am with my best friend now. That I was with my best friend 21 years ago. Hmm. It has evolved, it has become better, it has become stronger, the ingredients have changed a little bit, we've gotten better quality ingredients to make a better relationship. Mm. Right? It didn't start off perfect. And it isn't perfect now. That takes time, it takes effort, and a willingness, again, to discover together what makes it a great cake I'm really annoyed now at hearing myself talk about cake for you know 50 minutes <laughs> well that's okay I think it gets I think it's a really good metaphor for understanding I think how it can we be go about relationships I think it can be but the thing is is that like and to be honest I didn't even really know what I wanted in a relationship until recently Mm. Um, I just thought that I wasn't ever going to be in a relationship ever I thought I was going to have the friendships that I have and that was it was that because your perception of what a relationship was 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 that was that skewed cultural view exactly and it's coming to realize what you want and being uncompromising in that. Exactly. You've been able to find... Good things come to those who wait. <laughs> I posted on Facebook recently to never doubt the patience of a man who has waited over 20 years to walk into his purpose and calling. Mm-hmm. Imagine how much more patient he will be for someone who he thinks is worth that. I've waited 20 years to become a preacher. 20 years. Well, over 20 years. I've waited almost 30 years. Right? And I'm just now starting to walk into it. And it's exciting. It's beautiful. Um, And if I've been that patient in waiting for this to come, I'll be just as patient waiting for her. Because if I was just as uncompromising... In the pursuit of this, I should be just as uncompromising. I said to to one of the young guys that I disciple, because he's been going through some issues, 
you need to treat her and she needs to treat you in the same fashion that you treat your purpose and your calling. Right? That which God has called you to. Mm. Because if that's the if that is seemingly the most important thing in your life, and yeah, I know we're gonna go over fifty minutes, which is totally cool, because I really want to break the fifty minute mark. <laughs> Side note, first two episodes, if you notice, were about fifty minutes. I'm trying to break that. Not intentionally, but you know. Now it's intentional. <laughs> yeah. If that's something that's that important to you, and you're and you say that you are unwilling to compromise in it, you should be just as unwilling to comp- compromise with that person. Because if they're part of that purpose, and they're part of that calling, you damn well better treat them with the same respect and dignity that you do your purpose and calling. Where can people find you? Well, now that uh, Just Eric and the Preacher have social media, um, you can find us, both of us, on Facebook at Just Eric and the Preacher. Um, You can find us on Twitter at Just E-N- P podcast. Um, you can find me personally on Twitter at tat2d preacher, um, and you can find me on Instagram as tatted preacher dude. Yeah, and you can't really find me personally on social media. Again, yeah, I run all the social media, so work in progress. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but thank you for coming along today. Thank you for following. Thank you for listening. Be blessed. Be encouraged. And see you next week. Have a good one.